Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the DScoop's first ever idea exchange and my home office, which I'm sure a lot of you can relate to. I'm Mary Wallander, the DScoop Community Manager for the Americas, and leading us today is Rick Bellamy of RPI, our Americas DScoop Board Chairman, who many of you already know, and if you don't, you'll get to know in just a moment. I just have a few housekeeping things I'd like to uh, go over just before we get started. Everyone's going to be kept on mute until Rick's initial presentation is over. And at that time, he'll open it up to everyone. This is an interactive session. So we want you to ask questions and make comments. So if you have one, just use that chat feature at the bottom of your screen and type in there, I'd like to speak and we'll get to you just as soon as possible. I just want to let everybody know that we are recording this session today. And now I'd like to turn it over to Rick and he'll get us started. Hi everybody. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day to join us. Um, as Mary said, uh, this is the first member exchange. So uh, thanks for being our guinea pigs and testing this concept out on, uh, on, on uh, video chat for the first time. I am counting on all of you to help make this session interactive. So I want this to be an exchange of best practices, not just a presentation, which is a bit of a challenge over video conferences as some of us are in home offices and feeling a bit isolated and others are working in uh, new conditions. So, um, so as Mary said, uh, I'm going to ask questions throughout this uh, session. Uh, I really would love your input. I really want to hear what you're doing, um, as well as share what we're doing at RPI. For those of you who don't know who RPI is, we are focused on delivering personalized print services to businesses throughout the world uh, through e-commerce solutions. And, uh, we do that with an advanced technology platform that integrates directly with our customers' uh, e-commerce and marketing automation systems, accepts orders, and routes them to the best place in the world to produce nearly any product. Uh, and that includes our own facilities in New York, Georgia, Washington State, and Eindhoven, Netherlands, or any one of our many production partners around the world to produce a personalized product and deliver it in a few days. So. Um, I do have a slide presentation, but this is not going to be death by PowerPoint, or hopefully it won't be. I'm trying not to make it death by PowerPoint. So, um, and I tried to structure this conversation into four areas. This current COVID crisis has us all looking at the world in a different way and adapting our businesses and operating models. Hopefully, this is the largest social and economic disruption we're going to see in our lives. Uh, this natural disaster is changing the very social fabric of our societies in both temporary and permanent ways that at least I'm still trying to understand. Um, and despite the fact that there are some loosening and restrictions that are occurring, uh, I believe that the changes we're all making to adapt in this time are going to be needed for some time in the future. And at the same time, while many of us are working from home, there's a silent major minority that are putting themselves at risk uh, to manufacture and fulfill product during this crisis. Um, so I feel personally that it's our duty to do everything in our power to protect our people. 
And on the practical side, at least in the US, I know there's a lot of global participants in this call, uh, at least in the US, it's becoming a legal requirement which businesses have liability if you follow, fail to follow proper procedures. So the purpose of this session really is to share best practices, hear what you're doing to protect your employees, share what we're doing at RPI, and I've categorized these into four areas. So feeling safe, being safe. You know, we learned right away that the bigger issue to actually the processes and methodologies to keep people safe was assuring that they could feel safe uh, inside the facility in our efforts to make RPI the safest place in the community to be. Uh, the second one is steps to implement. So after deciding what to do, how do you assure that the methods are actually being followed? And what are you doing to assure that your people are safe? And what are contingency plans? Do you have contingency plans? Should there be an outbreak in your facilities? Then moving from surviving to thriving. Most impacted businesses are recovering to some extent and learning what the new normal is. I, I'm interested to find out how are you looking at uh, surviving for the long haul? And at the same time, how are we pivoting our businesses to serve new sectors with more demand? And then finally, when will it end? Um, I do live near the University of Washington, which has been used by internationally as a, uh, a place of information, but I don't have a crystal ball. But I am really interested in your point of view, if we can get that far, about what you expect over the next year. So hopefully that makes sense to everybody. So Seattle was the first place that the COVID crisis hit the US. Um, and as it progressed, we had fierce debates about whether or not we could and should continue to operate. And if we did, how would we keep our employees safe? So we had uh, open communication across the organization about implementations uh, and, and the implications of both options and eventually we all agreed that we should stay open and that we could stay open and that we could mitigate the risks for our employees. So I guess I'm at, I'd like to start out with how are you and your teams, how are you helping your teams to feel safe and how are you helping them to be safe? What specific things are you doing? And I'd like to remind everybody just right in the chat that you'd like to make a comment and we'll unmute your line. And if you don't comment, then I'm just gonna go ahead and present and you'll have to listen to me the entire time, which is not beneficial for anyone. <laughs> well, I'm gonna keep moving then. I'll tell you one of the things that we did at RPI, we, um, uh, we uh, uh, sorry, we started a rigorous communication plan. Um, what we found out very quickly was that even though we would feel like we were communicating, uh, people would go home and watch the news. They would go home and discuss with their families and friends. Um, and there was a lot of misinformation, especially in the beginning, about how you should behave, how the disease was passed, what 
the challenges were, et cetera. And we found out very quickly we had to set up a communication plan for daily communications um, and weekly communications. So uh, we do daily stand-ups using CDC information and made sure that we were providing our point of view. And at first, we were really hesitant to do that. Um, we were, you know, are we supplying the right information? So we were careful to use CDC, John Hopkins, University of Washington to just provide facts. Um, we quickly got uh, the message from our employees across our organization that they were really looking for our points of view as well. What do we think is going to happen? So we, we started adding that and now we also do weekly town halls with our employees. Um, that leave open communications because we're all trying to figure this out as we go. And Rick Warren had a comment in the chat. Great, go ahead, Warren. Yeah, so I just I think it's important that um, every day you have verbal communications with people, six feet apart, but face to face. Because the one thing I find that's happened is this isolation, although it works for some, most people are not used to it. Uh, and the first week, it's like a vacation and a joke. But after that, the stress starts to happen. Um, and most people, their whole lives have worked with people beside them. So it's a really weird thing. The other thing I'm stressing to everybody, do not watch the news. Every channel that you change to tells you something else. I don't want to talk about anyone in particular, but there's no real um, Canada or the U.S. There's no real, real leadership coming down, making us feel like people. We're not pawns. We're humans. We all have bills to pay. We all have people to take care of. And to watch grown-ups bitch back and forth and complain does absolutely nothing. Um, I, I will give people uh, a conversation or I'll say to people, here's my phone number, here's my email, call me if you're stressed, I'm here, talk to me because I don't know about everybody, but when I walk around and things are pent up inside, nothing good comes from it, right? So I've offered to be everyone shriek, shrink for 10 minutes at no charge, uh, which is a discount off what mine charges, but it's the interaction of people because we are people. Great. No, I uh, totally, I, I, I also do not watch the news. I just find it increases my stress level. Uh, but <laughs> Hey, listen, uh, if you're going to watch anything fake, watch porn. Everybody's happy. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, and I think you're right. One of the things uh, that I learned early on too was as people are, you know, as you're working remotely, especially in our admin and technology groups, you know, you're at first hesitant to reach out to people. Um, and it, it turns out they want to be interrupted by you. Everyone is feeling a bit isolated. To your point, after everyone got done hoarding toilet paper in the US, um, <laughs> then they got to into a rhythm, but they really, really felt isolated. So, um, and, you know, we weren't used to reaching out as, uh, as a, as much as we did in the past where you could just run into somebody in the hallway. So um, we have also done that where we just, we were on chat and, and because RPI is distributed, we already had a little bit of that, but it's, we've taken it to the next level. 
I think I think it's important also for people to know that uh, people have time now. I've had forget selling because you're not really selling anything right now, right? It's just letting everyone know that you're good. But I've I've reached out to people where I've opened my Outlook and I've scrolled it, and then wherever I put my finger, I just call because I want to call someone and I don't know who. But every person that I've called has been extremely receptive. Everybody's curious and interested to know that I'm okay and vice versa. And I've had some unbelievable conversations just about knowing people now that later on, I'm, I'm going to be happy to call them and they're going to be happy when I call them, right? Because the barriers are down now. So we, again, I'm going to stress on that we are people talking to people. There's no sale happening right now. Uh, it's just... Comfort. We can't hug people, so we have to find another way to comfort them. Exactly. Right. And I've unmuted Jeff Truen, who wanted to make a couple comments. Jeff, you're unmuted. Yeah, thanks. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Rick. Um, I was just going to say thanks for what you're bringing to us. And uh, I, I, you know, third Warren's comment about uh, the news. But um, <laughs> the key is for people to hear from leadership in these times pretty consistently. What we found is um, from our leadership is it's really interesting. Uh, our CEO is taking the time to even educate our people through the use of technology, but where he's doing a video of himself explaining different pieces of the company and how things are going. And those are coming out very consistently um, to everyone in the company in a very transparent way, talking about even things like net profit, which can be, uncomfortable conversations from a leadership perspective but it's and then we also have uh, daily meetings within our team um, so that we all get on zoom together sometimes we'll be on zoom for even a, a few hours just sharing things back and forth and spending times even when we do a um, what you might call a zoom room where we're just on there together even if we're making calls off of our phones just so we can see each other it's all about being connected because you're right there are uh, a lot of people when they have to feel this distant they start to get extremely uncomfortable and it gets awkward for them yep. so the main thing is communication from leadership down and then even within the various teams within the business on a very consistent basis is just what we found yes this is a it is the time when leaders are made quite frankly in an organization um, so and, and they have to be visible yeah, my other uh, item here is uh, actions are speaking much louder than words. I know it's a uh, contrite phrase. Um, however, you know, uh, at RPI, you know, a lot of us already worked remotely. So that part was pretty natural. But so we had to address the fact that we had uh, two standards, right? We had our manufacturing employees who had to be in the office in order to produce. Um, and then we had our administrative and technology people who could, of course, work remotely. And, uh, you know, we communicated clearly that, you know, with, that we're making this facilities extraordinarily safe. Um, and at the same time, we had to address, well, if it's so safe, why are the admin people not coming into the office? Um, and so we communicated, which was true. The less people you have in our facility, the less risk there is. And of course, there was a lot of skepticism. And for us, it turned when we had a case where an employee showed symptoms of COVID-19. 
Uh, we immediately asked the employee to seek medical attention and got them out of the building. Um, we found all the people that the employee had been in contact with and sent them home immediately. Uh, of course, early on, the employee was not able to get tested. So we made a call to shut the facility down, professionally sanitize the entire facility and reopen the next day um, with all of the employees that had been exposed, quarantine. Um, it turned out that the employee, thank goodness, did not have COVID-19, but our actions, you know, clearly demonstrated uh, to everyone that we were serious and we were putting their safety first. Um, and we got a lot of feedback like, oh, you, you actually mean it. So and it's, a, it's a reminder that you have to follow your own actions. So they really watch what you do, not what you say. And I don't know if Chris would like to speak, but he made a comment in the chat that, you know, printing is visual, he says. It's very difficult to work remotely and that they're finding that they have to bring people back in for that reason. Like you said, you have to keep your shop open. Yep. No, it's true. I suspect in the long term, actually right now, we're starting to bring many of our administrative people back, um, but we're doing it in staggered ways so that there are fewer people in the building and we can remain socially distant. So I thought it was also maybe worth uh, sharing. Um, you know, our leadership team has adopted three tenets during this time of leading during a crisis. So um, I thought it might be worth sharing. Um, by nature, I'm an optimist. Um, I think most of us who have businesses are optimists by uh, nature. Um, but uh, we adopted a, a principle called the Stockdale paradox. For those of you who don't know, uh, Admiral Stockdale was prisoner of war in North Vietnam, uh, along with uh, McCain and Charlie Plummer, Plummer, a whole bunch of actually now quite famous and well-known people. Um, and during that period of time, uh, they came up with some extraordinary ways to communicate and survive, and they all came out okay, and most of them actually came out and uh, thrived afterwards. And when asked, you know, okay, how did you do it? Um, they said, you know, and all of them said, it was a case of realizing the brutal reality of the situation. And at the same time, communicating the unwavering conviction that together we're going to get through this. Um, and when asked what the, what, who suffered the most, he said, oh, that's easy. It's the optimists. The optimists who said, hey, we'll be out by Christmas were the ones who Christmas would come and then they would not be able to keep going. So, so we, we've adopted that at the same time of saying, hey, let's be real with our people and tell them what we think and let's share with them to Jeff's point, we're sharing complete financials with people, telling them what it means um, and helping to navigate through this. Um, so, we also uh, have used another principle that I call productive paranoia. So for those of you who uh, are history buffs, um, this is a concept that was uh, born by Churchill. Um, and during the 
beginning of World War II, when France was being invaded, uh, they needed Britain's help. And of course, Britain wanted help, thought at the time was France could never fall, but you know, Britain needed to help to make sure that they didn't. Uh, but he asked an important question like, okay, if France falls, how many, what do we need to protect the island? What do we need to protect the UK? And the answer came back 25 squadrons. So um, my question to this group is, what are your 25 squadrons? What do you need if this doesn't go away in the next year? What, are your, what do you need to survive? And how are you communicating and planning that? I can share for us, it's detailed plans of the protections for our people and quite frankly, preservation of cash flow. <laughs> Anyone else want to share? We can unmute you. <clears throat> Not, I'm going to keep going. So, anyway, the third principle is uh, fanatic discipline. Um, and this one actually comes from uh, the race to the South Pole in 1912. Roald Almason and Robert Scott both landed in Antarctica about the same time with the goal to be the first to the South Pole. Uh, Amundsen uh, and his team took the approach of, no matter what the conditions were like, 20 miles a day. We're gonna do our, our march. If it's really horrible, it's a lot of work. If it's really good, we get to rest. Um, Scott and his team, on the other hand, took the other method and let conditions dictate their product, progress. If the conditions were good, they went until they, they went as far as they possibly could and were exhausted, and conditions were bad, they held up. Uh, in the end, Amundsen and his team beat Scott's team to the South Pole by over 30 days, and everyone on Amundsen's team came back alive. Uh, Scott's team did not survive. So uh, we use that principle as we're implementing, you know, no matter what the conditions are, what's our 20 miles that we're gonna get this week? What's our 20 miles we're gonna get today? So. That's my next question is, is your organization doing a 20 mile march or are you letting conditions dictate it? For us, for us it's also, we're focusing on the two meter or six foot culture um, while we continue to progress against that. So it's hard to get people to stay six feet apart from each other. By nature, you just simply forget to stay six feet apart. Warren made a comment about uh, credit being something we need to speak about. And I think you'll get to that in your talk a little bit. I have a whole slide about surviving to thriving, so. Right. Which case I will move on. So um, as I said, uh, so far we've been able to keep our people safe with no cases in our facilities. Uh, we've had several scares, as I mentioned, but uh, uh, the first one, it really became clear that running around trying to figure out what to do during the crisis uh, was not going to work. <laughs> and in the heat of the moment, the question of course is, are we making the right decisions because we're panicked in trying to decide what to do? So we developed our what if plan. I'm wondering uh, how many of this group has a what if plan? 
What if someone shows symptoms? What if they test positive? What are you going to do? Feel free to chime in. Don't be shy. There's plenty of people on here. What are your what if plans? Okay. It's a quiet, shy group today, Rick. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a challenging thing. I completely acknowledge it. It's, it's challenging to know when to speak up and how to do that. So, um, so for us, uh, we quickly put together a detailed uh, exposure policy. These are in the documents I sent uh, or making available. I didn't send them to you, but they'll be available if they're not already for you. I have a whole list of documents, including our exposure policy, our emergency plan, uh, our posters that we use to remind people and communicate. Um, so there's in all the way down to our cleaning checklists. So, um, so make sure you download those. I will tell you that they have uh, saved more than one company from litigation already. So, um, so our first one I'll talk about is our exposure policy. Uh, um, if you you or a person you've been in close contact with is showing symptoms of the illness, uh, we we ask you not to come into the facility, call your manager and stay away from work. Um, if an employee at the office shows any symptoms of COVID-19, fever, cough, troubled breathing, we don't care if it's a cold or anything else, a uh, supervisor will immediately remove the employee from the facility. Uh, they also go and uh, find the employees that have been in close contact and ask them not to return for five days. Um, and the employee with symptoms is not allowed to return until they are completely symptom free for 48 hours. Um, so we're taking a very aggressive view of that um, just because of the danger to our employees, honestly. Um, and to counter that for our employees, we have also added PTO, so they have additional sick leave that they can utilize um, in addition to the state programs and federal programs in place. So, If for some reason we have an employee that tests positive, uh, the HR manager then gets involved and lets people know uh, uh, that they have been in contact with someone who may have been exposed due to privacy laws. You can't tell them who it is, um, but you can let them know they have been exposed and they're not allowed to return for five days. We made the decision that that was the average amount of time that people are showing symptoms. So five days was all we wanted to uh, force people to stay away. They're welcome to stay away as long as they want to. And as a matter of fact, we don't, we don't insist anyone comes to work at all. And, and in, and set you actually, if you're an at-risk person or you live with an at-risk person that you should work at home if possible or look at alternatives for the short term or actually midterm. Uh, if the employee tests positive and they've been in the building, uh, manage, we will close the facility and sanitize that facility. So uh, typically that takes, you know, we have somebody lined up, so that typically takes about uh, uh, 24 hours by the time they get there and actually do it, and we can get it back open. And the person who is tested positive is not allowed to return until they have written permission from their healthcare provider. So, 
Does anybody else have an exposure policy that they're utilizing or something that I've missed? I think Danielle wanted to make a few comments. Greetings, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Um, you know, I just wanted to say, um, um, yeah, thank you for, uh, for hosting this. And um, yes, you know, we've had very clear communication from our leadership team and um, our parent mill about, um, you know, what to do, um, you know, if someone is exposed and um, not only that, but being proactive and cross training so that, you know, our departments are handled efficiently, um, you know, until we, we all get back, you know, back to work. Um, and um, I mean, we even have uh, things in place for uh, visitors uh, before they even come to the building. Um, I think we're restricting that for a bit. Um, so it'd be, you know, kind of interesting. I've, I've heard a lot of different comments from customers, um, specifically in the South, as those um, uh, areas are opening up. But, you know, there are some customers are saying, please come visit me as soon as you can. And there's some that are saying, um, you know, stay put, you know, we have some restrictions. So it'd be interesting just to kind of get some feedback on what you all are hearing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Danielle. I, I will tell you, we are controlling site traffic. So uh, we are asking vendors, any visitors not to come in um, uh, and visit us. We can do it over video conference. <laughs> so we, we are working very hard to limit the number of people in our facilities to the minimum number possible. Um, we're even in the middle of a peak season right now. Um, and we have worked with our full-time employees to limit the number of temporary or seasonal, seasonal hires that we brought in. And, uh, you know, they're, they're happy to put in more overtime in an effort to have less people in the facility. So I can tell you one of the things that I can move to this uh, slide actually uh, this is a little controversial, um, uh, you know, in other words, can you actually screen visitors and can you screen employees and not uh, breach their rights? Um, and can you force visitors to be screened? Um, we are screening both visitors uh, as well as all employees, so. I'm curious, are other screening built uh, in their facilities? I will tell you that uh, we decided it was critical um, to protecting our people. So it's, it's a requirement of uh, entering any of our facilities, whether you're a visitor, a vendor, or an employee. Uh, we set up a questionnaire that we uh, change periodically so that people can't just come in and say, yes, 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 or no, 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 no. Uh, um, so, and we also uh, take their temperature. So, and probably even more so, we made it clear that their behavior um, will dictate the safety and well-beings of their colleagues as well, so. And I see Chris so, Rand uh, has a comment, so I'm muted, Chris. But he did make the comment that their city town hall down in Louisiana is screening everyone 
entering the building yeah. and, and doing okay. the same as you. So I think that many places have been doing that already. Um, and as to your question, is it, is it okay to do it in private facilities such as RPI? But uh, We've made it a, a rule and figured if uh, anybody wants to come after us, they can come after us. <laughs> we are looking currently at infrared cameras that uh, like they use at the airports in our facilities so we can get early warning. Right, and currently some of the new uh, questions that they're asking is about the sense of taste and smell because that has mm -hmm. come to light that that is also symptoms of the COVID. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think we added to the new questionnaire. I'm not sure I sent it to yours, honestly. Yeah. Right. But go ahead. So anyway, um, one of the other things that we found uh, was that it was important to write down and communicate, communicate, communicate what we expect um, uh, and, and enforcing those details. So we are requiring masks and have been for quite some time. We also have shields available. Um, so uh, people, we encourage people to wear the shields and the masks. Um, but we insist that they wear the mask. Um, and one of the things that we're finding is that as this becomes the new normal, people start to become more complacent. They start to fall back into their old habits. So one of my questions is, what are you, what are you guys doing to help your teams not become complacent and continue to really uh, sweat the details, as I like to say, right? Um, uh, so one of the things we've done is uh, repeating the theme of communication. Uh, you know, people need to hear it over and over and over. So we're reading it. We have uh, posters throughout the facility reminding them uh, uh, of the social distancing, uh, protective gear requirements, um, uh, as well as our cleaning procedures and schedules. So we have professional cleaners who make rotations throughout the factory. So every surface wipe down every hour. Um, and not only that, but as, uh, as the leaders, we carry around bleach as we walk through our production facilities and wipe things down ourselves too. Just to back to the action speaker than words. Um, we have uh, created also uh, barriers, so we spread people out. So their workstations are never any closer together than six feet, usually 12, because when you're actually exerting energy, 12 feet is even safer. Uh, and we put up a lot of plexiglass shield um, as well between stations that can't be that far apart. Um, and uh, we also, uh, as I mentioned, are screening and limiting our guest entries. And then we have a work from home policy. So uh, we, have, we have tools that fortunately are allowing us to keep connected throughout our organization as we work from home. So those are the areas we're doing uh, on, a, on a regular basis, so. So protecting your people is paramount and 
in order to protect your people, you also have to protect your uh, business. So this is something Warren was asking about or talking about earlier. Um, so in order to protect your business for this uh, section, I'm gonna focus on cash flow, government assistance, and how we're pivoting the business. In other words, how are you changing your strategic plan, if at all? Some, some industries are not affected negatively at all. Label and pack, for example, is a rapidly expanding area as uh, people do more takeout. Uh, others like commercial is, uh, are really being uh, affected strongly. So um, there are a fair number of global participants in the session. So, uh, and government assistance is different in each country. Actually, at first it was different in every state for us, but that's uh, getting better with the federal federal stepping in. Um, so my portion is I know I know a lot about the U.S. method and a little bit about the Dutch, but I I'm going to focus on the U.S. one. So from government assistance perspective. So uh, first one is cash flow. How many of you have a cash flow plan? And how far out are you planning for cash if you're a business leader? I can tell you that um, I, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, ITR economists. Um, their comment is that uh, you should be planning to have enough cash in your business to make it through December 2020. Um, so if you, uh, I can tell you that we, we immediately went to do a cash flow plan to make sure that we had enough cash to keep us moving through 2020, so. Warren actually did Light a video okay. on what they think last week. Yeah, so I do a video every week on what they think, just uh, talking about whatever I feel like talking about. I don't, take any, um, I don't take any guidance from anybody, so it's really real. And no one pays me, so it's really just my opinion. Um, and I did a video last week because what I, I'm worried about with people is credit. No one really liked to talk about credit before. Everybody feels a certain need to take the order, maybe look the other way and I'll deal with it later. But it's really, really, really important today that the rules of the past in terms of who had credit no longer exist. There are no more blue chip accounts. You cannot rely on anyone. You must be comfortable to have an honest conversation and talk about it up front. My first thing is that if people don't want to have the conversation with you or tell you not to worry, get the hell out of there right away. Today is not a time for anybody to tell anybody not to worry. Today's a time when everyone has to understand that everybody is worrying and we need to work together to add that level of comfort. Um, just recently, JCPenney went bankrupt. For, no, JCPenney declared bankruptcy protection. There is a difference and we should be clear on that as well so as not to give a bad message. Um, Aldo Shoes based in Montreal just filed for protection and closed and they have 3,000 stores worldwide. Uh, Reitman's 576 stores in Canada just filed for protection the other day. These are customers, these are public companies, some of them that you thought you would never have an issue 
and today there is an issue. Um, if you are afraid about having conversations about credit or anything like that, I would suggest uh, at least with the customer talking about getting the cost of the materials. So if you're doing substrates and media and large format and anything where the cost of goods represent 20, 30, 40, 50%, get the money up front. There is no one that should really hesitate to give you something today because everyone's doing it with everyone. I think it's the first time in the real world that we are all on the same uh, playing field. No one is any better than anyone else today. Uh, we are equal. And, and, and I can't stress it enough uh, because I'm watching some people pulling off some miracles for people, for businesses that are going to open. And uh, when I asked the question, did you discuss terms? They said, no, no, we're good. And, and it bothered me because um, we're all going to be a little shaky. Even if we're busy, we're going to be shaky. So I just, I can't stress that enough to people. No, fantastic. And, and it's a really good point. Uh, and that is, for me, part of the cash flow plan. One of the things we implemented was exactly that, talking to all of our customers, understanding their financial position and carefully tracking accounts receivable um, uh, for that very reason, right? Because part of that cash flow plan is what happens if somebody owes you a couple hundred thousand dollars and they suddenly can't pay it? And to your point, Warren, Companies you never thought, LSC, former part of Donnelly, has filed for bankruptcy protection. So, uh, so I'm going I'm, I'm to give you another quick example. Um, great retailer, and they are not going out of business. But TJ Maxx has 5,000 stores. And from talking with people, when this whole uh, crisis started, um, TJ had closed the stores doing the right thing. But then they asked all of their good vendors if they could work with them and hold out an additional 60 or 90 days for payment. The major retailers are already on a 60 to 90 day uh, payment plan mm -hmm. in, in regular terms because they are the size that they are and they get to bully us a little bit. And I, in case any of them are listening, I don't say it to be mean, um, but they do, they do bully us and they do put the fear in us. Uh, that's why we take things at the prices we do and we do what we do, uh, even though I think we should be a service-based orientated industry only, but that's another, another podcast webinar. Um, but yeah, we, we, so if I, if they are, if the guys with the guys, girls, big companies with money are having these issues, I have to think, how are we, the smaller independent guys going to survive? Because our paper merchants and media supplies um, they're not extending us 60 or 90 days more. They've already been hurt over the years and we're in a tough business to begin with. And, and I always wonder why are we, the print communication companies, paying for everybody else to get what they need because without us, they can't sell anything. So how do we not put ourselves in a position of strength with all of these people out there? I wish we could band together in some way. So, no, yeah, that's it. I, I like that because, um, because yes, it is. Uh, it's, it's a question for the group, too. Do you have suppliers that, uh, um, or do you have uh, customers that are delaying their payments to you? Um, are you already seeing those requests? I know it, it's a standard thing, too. Many customers just in these crises call up and say, 
oh, I need, uh, I need longer terms. Whether they do or they don't. So it's important that we watch because though I always like to help those that are truly in need because mm -hmm. I believe what goes around comes around and pay forward. Um, but I'm also weary of some of those who take advantage of the uh, situation because they can. Right. It's um, this is really this whole episode is really about a world reset, in my opinion, a world reset, people coming back together, people um, dealing with the basics again. If I could just even say at home, people have had dinner with their entire immediate families in the last two months, more than they have in the last 10 years, other than the holidays. Right. Um, Kids are now talking to their parents more because they're there and everyone's, everyone's in a more relaxed setting. When everyone's coming and going all day, home from work, home from school, no one wants to talk. I'm, take, I'm trying to look at this in the best way possible. Have a smile every day. Try to calm the ones that are stressed out. Uh, uh, people ask me how I am. I always say, I'm doing good. It could be worse. I don't give another answer that's more negative. We don't need more negativity out there today, right? It's, it's, it's a scary place. And we have to set the example for the younger people because this is most of their first time dealing with anything um, of this. I mean, it's our biggest thing. It's our biggest magnitude issue ever, but we've had 9-11, we've had SARS, we've had, H, we've had H1N1 or whatever they call them. Um, my kids are 20 and 23 and they're pretty cool and they're following the rules, but they don't really get the whole, they get it, but they don't get it. Right, because they think they could all social distance with their friends and hang out still, and that isn't so. So, yeah. no, it's you know, a it's a good point, and yeah, uh, and you're right. Um, lots of us have been through many recessions. For example, I deal with a lot of CEOs um, that are millennials, and especially in the e-commerce world, and uh, you know, they call me frequently to go. Uh, how do you handle this in a recession? Because they've only known growth. Honestly, we've had the longest section of growth in our Western economies ever. Um, so there's a lot of people out there who just don't know how to deal with these kinds of crises. So it's a good point to be a to be a, a leader. Good news is that uh, my belief. Uh, unlike the 2008-2009 crisis economically, that this is a natural disaster, not a broken economic system. And as long as governments continue to be aggressive in their management, uh, what typically happens in economies after a natural disaster is that they return to the fundamentals prior to the disaster. So it won't happen immediately. It takes time to dig out. But once we get back to a new normal, the belief is it's not a broken system. So that's, that's good news. In an effort to keep us moving, um, do, do people have questions about the CARES Act in the US at all? Doesn't appear there are any questions, so I'm not going to spend much time on it. Um, if if you're a business owner, you probably uh, and have less than 500 people. Hopefully, you've applied. If not, there are more funds available in the second tranche in the U.S. Um, so, 
and and it's not just necessarily some i know some ceos are applying for it and and using it in maximizing their forgiveness that's what we're doing um, but there's a lot of business leaders who are using it as a low interest loan as well um, so it's a short-term low interest loan it is a uh, uh, if you're not following it, it's a bit like building an airplane after it's already taken off. Uh, the rules are changing on a daily basis <laughs> still, <laughs> which makes it challenging to keep up on. <laughs> also, if you have not, uh, if you have not applied and intend to, I would recommend a regional lender that has a relationship with a small business administration. Um, there are uh, uh, the larger banks are not particularly well suited uh, to work through this. So, I guess my big next question for this group is: uh, Have you considered, or are you making strategic strategic pivots in your business? So, as as Darwin said, it's not the strongest or fastest that thrive; it's the species that change the fastest. Um, so, are people making strategic pivots in their business? And I know some are because Danielle or someone posted in the chat that they think that the key is cross-training. Um, so now's a good time to be cross-training your employees. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Hi, Mary. That was actually Danielle. <laughs> it was me. Um, you know, I, I um, basically in the different departments, as um, as some folks are doing, as they're um, you know scheduling people on different days, and you know until we kind of get back to to normal, you know, some type of normal. Um, there's you know so folks that may have done say one one job in particular call it receiving are now cross training into like a shipping mode or and or um into our production facility so uh, we're just making sure that you know the amount of employees that we have that um all the all the um um cross training and efforts are being made so you know in case someone you know you know does get sick thank goodness we haven't had any of that but um you know or is called off because they have a family member or, or something like that that we're in uh, capacity to react and uh, move people around uh to you know keep the business going i mean that's the, that's the important thing and you know the surprise well not even the surprising thing but the wonderful thing is that you know everybody's on board i mean there is that whole feeling of you know hey we're in this together um we know that we're handling a little bit more responsibilities than we have in the past but um you know how do we make this machine continue to work so um you know that's that's been the a really good thing no, that's fantastic. And yes, I we've seen the same trend towards more more generalism in our activities, meaning, you know, I, I'm not limited, my my employees and are not limited to uh, just their job, they're spreading out and learning each other's. Um, and in many cases, I'm hearing and seeing, we're actually more productive on the administration side, 
when uh, we don't have to commute as much. And those that are commuting are very pleased with how quick it is. You know. <laughs> I'll second that. <laughs> I know we're focused on one of the things we saw because we span both uh, B2B and B2C markets. Uh, the B2C markets, so e-commerce for consumer photo, uh, continues to be really strong. So that's that's a growing section and it's one that we were uh, not working hard to grow and we're now working we're, we're now working to serve that one uh, more more focused on serving that market segment quite frankly so just because it's growing so fast hello so I just want to touch on the cross training that you mentioned before um, we started cross training probably seven, eight years ago when the job market got tough because we found it really difficult to find people when we needed them. But then we also noticed in the shop that certain times different areas were busier than others. And we got everyone together and we asked them, this isn't about money, but this is about keeping you busy and keeping the shop busy. And would you be comfortable to learn different pieces of equipment? Because I've also learned along the way, you can't tell anyone what to do because people are different. Some will embrace it, some won't. But when we asked and explained it to them, because you have to explain everything today to people. Um, when we asked and we explained to them why we wanted to do it, there isn't a person who said no. And there was pressmen who were then on the folder or working on the CNC machine, depending on as things happened. So we were pretty good, um, you know, when this kind of happened. But the cross training is really, really important because we spend, for one reason only, we spend so much time and money training, teaching, learning, making people feel part of what we do, that it's a shame to lose them for something so small. The other thing I'd like to add is, you know, the bigger the business, the harder things are. Uh, at one point we were 120 people and I tried every morning to go out and say at least good morning to everyone and walk around the floor. Uh, today, I think it's even more important to make people feel that you're there, that you're seen. Uh, it goes back to leadership as well. But when you talk to people and you say to them, are you okay? You take the hour and if you say, how are you? How's your family? Is everyone okay? Just watch the expression on their face. That will tell you that you are making them feel comfortable and that you are caring. Because today we're stressed over money, but I think people are more afraid of what's gonna be, who's who, and who's there to protect me or to be with me, because we must protect each other today. Again, just, just my opinion. No, it's, uh, it's very true. That's part of, for me, that's part of the leading through the crisis, right? The, the leader is not the guy who's uh, hanging at the back of the army while they all do the charge, right? It's, it's the guy that's in the front. <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> Person in the front, sorry, don't mean to be sexist. So uh, my final slide is I'm just I'm curious what people's assumptions are. Everybody has an opinion from the World Health Organization uh, to governments to every individuals. Um, and the very definition of unprecedented, which this is, means that we don't know. But part of dealing with uncertainty and uh, creating 
the what do you think you know creating your stockdale paradox what do you think the brutal reality is uh for this disease how long will restrictions last uh will there be a resurgence if so will it shut down again uh and and for you know one of the questions i have is the us and the eu are driven by consumer confidence or i guess north america and the and eu are driven by uh consumer confidence will it continue to be robust or uh, will it start to reduce and force an economic downturn in the long term? Anyone oh. can feel free to chime in. I can share the, uh, my, my beliefs, and these are simply my opinion, uh, based on a fair number of uh, economic webcasts, talking to lots of CEOs um, and lots of retailers, and uh, which have been hit really, really hard, uh, and lots of e-commerce groups. But I think uh, you know, in a calendar year, I think uh, Q3 so is going to continue to be very similar to Q quarter two, with some loosening of restrictions. Um, but I think there'll be a resurgence of cases in that Q3 time period, or maybe early Q4, um, that are going to cause continued uncertainty, but hopefully not be bad enough to shut it down as badly as it was before, because we do have some herd immunity, we believe. Um, I think by Q4 2020, uh, and assuming the U.S. has an election, uh, <laughs> that there will start to be some more certainty. Um, but I think consumer confidence is going to be very low because unemployment is going to be extremely high still. It's going to take a long time for employment to grow back. Um, and then my uh, premises are built on the fact that by Q1, probably the end of Q1, the vaccine becomes available. Um, there's a lot of progress being made uh, by at least three, if not four groups on vaccines. And some of them are really exciting uh, new uh, uh, engineering methods. But uh, I think that they'll be widely distributed by the end of our Q1, that's my hope. So. So a long way of saying uh, we're planning we're planning for a challenging period through the summer and into the holiday period, and then uh, we think there'll be a strong holiday period for our products. Uh, but then moving into a, a return to normalcy to some extent by the end of Q1, which is a good plug for the Scoop Edge once it'll be hopefully about that time. <laughs> Anybody else want to make a comment? Any thoughts on when, what the future holds? Well, if not, um, hopefully this has been helpful. Um, I definitely want to thank you for your participation and uh, send out my best hopes for all of us to adapt to this new world and, uh, and that we can all move from surviving to thriving and remain connected to the people you care about um, and the people around you. So thank you very much and I'll hand it over to Mary. Well, first and foremost, I really wanna thank Rick Bellamy for hosting today 
and taking the time to prepare his presentation for the session. As this session ends, you'll see that Peter added a link to the chat button. That is a link to just a short questionnaire. There's just three short questions. You can click on it now and answer the questions quickly. We really appreciate if you take the time to do that because it helps us improve, learn what went well, and it'll tell us what other topics you'd like to see this type of format again in the future. You'll also be getting an email uh, within a few hours of this call ending. The survey will go out in that, along with the materials that Rick was using and discussing during this session. Last, the recording will go up on dscoop.com within just a few short days. So with that, I just want to thank everybody for taking the hour to attend with us today, and please stay safe. Thanks very much, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you all.